Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law. People v. Grimes. Decided October 23, 2018. DeFiori, Chief Judge. In People v. Andrews, 23 NY3D 605, 616, 2014, we held that counsel's failure to file a timely criminal leave application (CLA) to this court within the 30-day statutory timeframe provided by Corporal 460.105 or move pursuant to Corporal 460.30 within the one-year grace period for an extension to cure the error, does not deprive a defendant of a constitutional right to the effective assistance of counsel or due process under the Sixth and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States Constitution. In the absence of a constitutional violation, a defendant cannot resort to coram nobis to abrogate the one-year time limitation on the remedy provided in Corporal 460.30 for the improper conduct of his or her attorney in failing to file a timely CLA. We left open the question of whether a more protective rule should be recognized under the New York State Constitution ID, at 616. Today, we hold the same rule applies under Article 1, Section 6 of the New York State Constitution. Thus, defendant is not entitled to a writ of error coram nobis to bypass the limitation set by the legislature in Corporal 460.30 in which to file a CLA seeking leave to appeal to this court. I, in 2012, defendant was convicted upon a plea of guilty of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree and criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree. Counsel filed a notice of appeal on defendant's behalf and perfected the first-tier appeal. The appellate division affirmed the judgment of conviction, by order entered November 13, 2015 AD 3D 4th Department 2015, a copy of which was served on appellate counsel by the people with notice of entry on November 17, 2015, starting the Corporal 460.10 30-day timeframe in which defendant must make application pursuant to Corporal 460.20 for a certificate granting leave to appeal for a discretionary, second tier appeal to the Court of Appeals. The very next day, counsel wrote to defendant to inform him that he was in the process of drafting the leave application to the Court of Appeals and that defendant should receive it shortly. Counsel drafted the CLA letter, but never sent it to the court or to defendant. More than a year later, defendant was released from prison. Approximately six weeks later, counsel received a letter from defendant, dated January 9, 2017, inquiring about the status of the CLA. Having failed to timely file an application for leave to this court or seek an extension of time to file such an application pursuant to Corporal 460.30, counsel moved for coram nobis relief in the appellate division, dated January 20, 2017, requesting an extension of time to file an application for leave to appeal to the Court of Appeals. Counsel argued that defendant was deprived of his right to due process and his right to counsel under Article 1, Section 6 of the State Constitution, as well as under the Sixth and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States Constitution. 
He alleged that, due to law office failure and his lack of oversight, the CLA was never timely filed and served, and the case was later mistakenly marked as closed. As to the due diligence of defendant, counsel concluded, R. Ealing upon our representation, defendant could not have reasonably discovered within a one year period that his appellate rights were not preserved. Counsel relied on People v. Sival, 15 NY 3D 391, 2010, wherein we held that coram nobis is the appropriate procedural remedy in New York to afford relief for a violation of the Due Process Clause of the United States Constitution resulting from the deprivation of a first-tier appeal due to counsel's ineffectiveness in failing to file a notice of appeal within the one-year time limitation of Corporal 460.30. Addressing a second-tier appeal in Andrews, however, we held that there is no equivalent federal constitutional due process or ineffective assistance claim for counsel's failure to seek leave to appeal to the Court of Appeals Nonetheless, here, counsel argued that New York courts are free to extend constitutional protections beyond those required by the United States Constitution and urged the appellate division to grant coram nobis relief to preserve defendants' fundamental right to appeal. The people filed no papers in opposition. The appellate division denied defendants' motion for a writ of error coram nobis 148 AD 3D 1724 4th Department 2017. A judge of this court granted leave to appeal 29 NY 3D 1127-2017. We now affirm the appellate division order. 2. By coram nobis, defendant seeks to extend his time to file a CLA for a discretionary second-tier appeal to this court beyond the time limitation set by the legislature in Corporal 460.30. Since such a motion must be made with due diligence after the time for the taking of such appeal has expired, and in any case not more than one year thereafter, Corporal 460.301 emphasis added, defendant now seeks to carve out an exception to the statute's command. Defendant's entitlement to coram nobis relief requires a violation of the defendant's constitutional rights not appearing on the record, no negligence which could be attributed to the defendant for failure to have brought the alleged error to the attention of the court, and further, that the current proceeding is not a substitute for a new trial, appeal or other statutory remedy People v. Batchert 69 NY 2D 593, 598 1987, quotation marks and citation omitted. Historically, coram nobis was limited to correcting fundamental or constitutional errors in the judgment entered in the trial court. Prior to the enactment of the criminal procedure law, we expanded the writ's scope to afford the defendant a remedy in those cases in which no other avenue of judicial relief appeared available. People v. Hairston, 10 NY 2D 92, 93 94, 1961. See matter of Bojanov v. People, 299 NY 145, 151, 1949. Specifically, we enlarged coram nobis to include claims premised on the loss of the defendant's right to a first-tier appeal, or a lack of meaningful review on that direct appeal from the conviction caused by counsel's deficient legal performance, as well as state action or lack thereof C.E.G. People v. Dorencio, 14 NY 2D 732, 733 1964, court-appointed lawyer failed to prosecute a first-tier appeal in a murder case, Hairston, 10 NY 2D at 93, prison authorities prevented defendants' efforts to take and perfect a first-tier appeal. 
Although M. Ost of the common law, coram nobis types of relief were abrogated when the criminal procedure law was enacted Andrews, 23 NY 3D at 611, citing People v. Corso, 40 NY 2D 578, 580 1976, that legislation did not expressly abolish the common law writ of coram nobis or necessarily embrace all of its prior or unanticipated functions Batchert, 69 NY 2D at 599, Therefore, in Civil, the court recognized the continuing, albeit limited, availability of a coram nobis type of relief largely abrogated when the criminal procedure law was enacted. Specifically, we permitted the continued use of a type of so-called Montgomery claim, Andrews, 23 NY3D at 610 to 611. In People v. Montgomery, we held that every defendant has a fundamental right to appeal his conviction and that, accordingly, basic fairness and due process require that the right not be dissipated either because the defendant was unaware of its existence or counsel failed to abide by a promise to either file or prosecute an appeal 24 NY 2D 130, 132 this Montgomery relief, whereby coram nobis was initiated in the trial court for claims premised on the loss of the right to a first-tier appeal, was codified, in a modified form, in Corporal 460.30 C. Corso, 40 NY2D at 579-580 FN1. The statute, in recognition of the appellate jurisdiction of the courts, allows a defendant to seek permission from an intermediate appellate court to file a late notice of direct appeal on specified grounds, including the improper conduct of an attorney. In addition to its due diligence requirement, the statute bars relief if more than one year has passed from the time the taking of the appeal has expired Corporal 460.301. The statute also provides for fact-finding hearings in the trial court to enable the intermediate appellate court to resolve questions of fact, including any issue as to a defendant's due diligence see Corporal 460.305. Formerly, under Montgomery, when a violation of the absolute right to appeal was found, the trial court granted the coram nobis and restarted the 30-day period to take an appeal by resentencing a defendant see Corso, 40 NY2D at 580. The 30-day clock to take the appeal now starts upon the granting of the Corporal 460.30 motion by the appellate court. The legislature amended Corporal 460.30 in 1977 to include relief for a defendant who fails to timely seek a certificate granting leave to appeal from an order of the appellate division to the Court of Appeals due to the improper conduct of his attorney, in addition to other grounds see Corporal 460.30 in recognition of the appellate jurisdiction of this court, the statute provides that the motion for an extension of time is to be made to this court and with due diligence see it. As the statutory language is unequivocal that the extension of time be not more than one year see id, we have held that t key one year grace period is strictly enforced since the time limits within which appeals must be taken are jurisdictional in nature and courts lack inherent power to modify or extend them People v. Rosario, 26 NY 3D 597, 602 2015, quoting Andrews, 23 NY 3D at 611. We have carved out rare exceptions to this one-year jurisdictional bar, excusing a late Corporal 460.30 motion for the extension of time for taking a first-tier appeal as of right. 
We stopped the people from invoking the one-year limitation when defendant attempted to file a notice of appeal three months from when he was sentenced because prosecutors frustrated the good-faith exercise of the defendant's right to the remedy of Corporal 460.30 People v. Thomas, 47 NY 2D 37, 43 1979 Prosecution ignored defendant's request for information to take a first-tier appeal while his default was still curable and defendant's last chance to obtain the status of an appellate was ebbing away. In Civil, we were called upon to reconcile the conflict between the one-year time limitation of Corporal 460.30 and Council's unconstitutionally deficient performance causing defendant to lose the right to perfect or obtain merits consideration of a first-tier appeal in violation of the Due Process Clause of the United States Constitution. We look to Montgomery's holding that a defendant whose right to appeal is lost through his attorney's deficient performance should have a remedy in determining that coram nobis was the appropriate relief. Civil, 15 NY 3D at 398. Specifically, we held that when a defendant's ability to take a first-tier appeal as of right is extinguished due solely to the unconstitutionally deficient performance of counsel in failing to file a timely notice of appeal, coram nobis is the proper procedure to remedy the constitutional error as the time to seek relief pursuant to Corporal 460.30 is no longer available see it. However, in recognition that the remedy in Montgomery was largely superseded by the enactment of Corporal 460.30, Civil was predicated on the federal constitutional right under the 14th Amendment to representation by counsel in a state's first-tier appeal from a conviction see id, at 398, see also People v. Arjun, 30 NY 3D 347, 356 2017, cert denied underscore underscore US underscore underscore, 28 18 WL 1912582 October 1, 2018 noting that Civil itself relied on the U.S. Supreme Court's reasoning in Roe v. Flores Ortega, 528 U.S. 470 2000. Four years later, we clarified the parameters of coram nobis under Civil in Kruger, a companion case in Andrews, where counsel failed to file a CLA to this court FN2. We held that coram nobis relief was not available because, un like an appeal as of right, there is no federal constitutional entitlement to legal representation on a discretionary application for an appeal to a state's highest court Andrews, 23 NY3D at 616, citing Ross v. Moffitt, 417 U.S. 600, 615 to 616, 1974, Halbert v. Michigan, 545 U.S. 605, 611 to 600. 12, 2005. Thus, the failure to file a CLA, standing alone, does not necessarily establish a deprivation of effective assistance of counsel, or due process, because there is no federal constitutional right to counsel under the Due Process Clause on a second-tier appeal Andrews, 23 NY 3D at 616. And, in the absence of a violation of a constitutional right, coram nobis does not lie and the statutory remedy for an extension of time to take an appeal cannot be abrogated. Andrews left open the question presented by this appeal, whether a defendant has a state constitutional right to representation to file a CLA in this court see id, FN 3. 3.
There is no federal constitutional right to appellate review. See McCain v. Durston, 153 U.S. 684, 687 to 688, 1894, and no state constitutional right to appellate review in a criminal case, except to the Court of Appeals where the judgment is of death and is otherwise legislatively provided. N.Y. Const. Art V. Section 3. The Sixth Amendment does not encompass the right to appeal or the right to counsel in appellate proceedings. Nor does due process guarantee the right to an appeal. People v. West, 100 NY 2D 23, 28, 2003, citing Martinez v. Court of Appeal, 528 U.S. 152, 159 to 161, 2000. Indeed, a t common law appellate review of a criminal conviction, regardless of how grave the offense, was not viewed as a necessary component of elementary due process. People v. Romero, 7 NY 3D 633, 636, 2006. In interpreting our state's constitutional right to counsel, we have stated that t he right to counsel clause in the state constitution is more restrictive than that guaranteed by the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution. Compare NY Const. Art I, Section 6 with U.S. Const. 6, 14th Amends. Nevertheless, by resting the right upon this state's constitutional provisions guaranteeing the privilege against self-incrimination, the right to assistance of counsel and due process of law we have provided protection to accused's far more expansive than the federal counterpart see People v. Bing, 76 NY 2D 331, 338–339 1990 FN 4 in certain post-conviction accusatory proceedings, we have held the right to counsel as required because the outcome, liberty or imprisonment, depends upon an arbiter's determination as to the truth of assertions affecting defendant's status People v. Garcia, 92 NY 2D 726 we have never held that a defendant is entitled to a state constitutional right to counsel in all post-judgment criminal proceedings. Even so, the U.S. Supreme Court has long established that when a state grants a defendant the absolute statutory right to appeal a criminal conviction, the Fourteenth Amendment mandates that to provide a meaningful first-tier appeal, the defendant must be afforded the right to counsel see Douglas v. California, 372 U.S. 353, 356-357, asterisk 3, 1963. This is because the first-tier appeal is an integral part of the trial system for finally adjudicating the guilt or innocence of a defendant Griffin v. Illinois, 351 U.S. 12, 18 1956. Invoking the Fourteenth Amendment as to whether it is impermissible for the state to fail to assure that an indigent defendant is informed of his right to appeal we similarly held that the 30-day period in which a notice of appeal must be filed is a critical time for the defendant. It cannot be successfully argued that an indigent defendant does not have the right to counsel at this stage of his proceedings. Montgomery, 24 NY2D at 132-133, citing Hamilton v Alabama, 368 US 52, 1961. In bringing an appeal as of right from his conviction, a criminal defendant is attempting to demonstrate that the conviction, with its consequent drastic loss of liberty, is unlawful. To prosecute the appeal, a criminal appellant must face an adversary proceeding that, like a trial, is governed by intricate rules that to a layperson would be hopelessly forbidding. 
An unrepresented appellant, like an unrepresented defendant at trial, is unable to protect the vital interests at stake Evitz v. Lucy, 469 U.S. 387, 396 1985. A first-tier appeal is not adjudicated in accord with due process of law if the appellant does not have the effective assistance of an attorney id, and when there is a denial of a first-tier appeal due to ineffective assistance of counsel, it is a violation of the 14th Amendment see Roe, 528 U.S. at 483, see also Halbert, 545 U.S. 610-611 emphasizing both due process and equal protection considerations. In contrast, a second-tier appeal, where the defendant has the benefit, from the perfection of the first-tier appeal, of a prepared or original record of the trial court proceedings, briefs by both counsel on the merits of the errors that allegedly occurred at trial, and the written opinion of the intermediate appellate court determining the validity of the conviction, does not require, as a matter of constitutional law, the assignment of counsel for a meaningful appeal under the Federal Due Process Clause see Evitz, 469 U.S. at 402, 22 NYCRR 500.20, see also People v. Hughes, 15 NY2D 172, 173 right to the assignment of counsel to represent an indigent defendant where there is a statutory absolute right to appeal People v. Borum, 8 NY2D 177, 179 right to appeal requires a review of the merits without defendant first demonstrating the merits of entertaining the appeal People v. Emmett, 25 NY2D 354, 357 1969 right to appeal includes opportunity for defendant to submit a brief, People v. Gonzalez, 47 NY2D 606, 610 1979 right to representation on a first-tier appeal includes the attorney's conscientious examination of the record and the law and marshalling of arguments in the briefing FN5. Indeed, THESE materials, asterisk 4, supplemented by whatever submission defendant may make pro se, would appear to provide the highest court with an adequate basis for its decision to grant or deny review Ross, 417 U.S. at 615. This conclusion is fortified by the function and scope of a discretionary second-tier appeal, which is markedly different than that of a first-tier appeal. The critical issue in a second-tier appellate court is not whether there has been a correct adjudication of guilt in every individual case, but rather whether the subject matter of the appeal has significant public interest, whether the cause involves legal principles of major significance to the jurisprudence of the state, or whether the decision below is in probable conflict with a decision of the Supreme Court. Ross, 417 U.S. at 615. Citation omitted. Based on these differences, Ross held, that a state need not appoint counsel to aid a poor person in discretionary appeals to the state's highest court Halbert, 545 U.S. at 610, citing Ross, 417 U.S. at 610 to 612. And since the constitutional right to effective assistance of counsel is entirely dependent on the existence of a constitutional right to counsel itself, there is no corresponding federal constitutional violation in the failure of counsel to take a second-tier appeal. See Evitz, 469 U.S. at 396 N7, Wainwright v. Torna, 455 U.S. 586, 587 to 588, 1982. See also Pena v. United States, 500. 34F3D92, 95, 2D Circle 2008. 
That well-reasoned federal analysis is pertinent to our interpretation of the corresponding state due process clause in the context of an application to the highest court in the state for leave to grant a second-tier review as t key Supreme Court's analysis, is consonant with New York state law and interest People v. Alvarez, 70 NY 2D 375, 379 C. People v. Cole, 72 NY 2D 191, 197 People v. Pitts, 6 NY 2D 288, 291 to 292, 1959. People v. Pride, 3 NY 2D 545, 550 to 551, 1958. Of course, this court has never adopted any rigid method of analysis which would, except in unusual circumstances, require us to interpret provisions of the state constitution in L Oxtep with the Supreme Court's interpretations of similarly worded provisions of the federal constitution People v. Pavone, 26 NY 3D 629, 639 2015, quoting People v. Scott, 79 NY 2D 474, 490 while we have recognized that the state constitution may provide greater rights than those provided by the federal constitution, this is not one of those instances in which after analyzing the particular case and the federal constitutional rule at issue, it can be said that established New York law and traditions mandate that some greater degree of protection must be given Scott, 79 NY 2D at 491, see People v. PJ. Video, 68 NY2D 296, 302 303. 1986. Rather, our jurisprudence has consistently relied on U.S. Supreme Court decisions in the context of due process protections for defendants seeking appellate review, and we have paralleled federal precedent in providing similar procedural safeguards for a meaningful appellate process. Compare Griffin, 351 U.S. at 19 with Pride, 3 NY2D at 550 to 551, acknowledging Griffin as providing a constitutional basis in addition to our public policy grounds for holding a meaningful first-tier appeal requires providing defendant with a trial record compare Anders v California 386 US 738 744 1967 with Emmett 25 NY2D at 356 meaningful first tier appeal requires an opportunity for a defendant to file a brief in New York, a defendant in a non-death penalty criminal case has no constitutional right to an appeal to this court NY Const Art V Section 3 our jurisdiction in non-capital criminal appeals is expressly limited by our asterisk five constitution and the legislature's statutory directive to the review of questions of law. CNY Const Art V Section 3 A B Corporal 470.05. The legislature has only provided for a statutory right to seek permission for such an appeal at the second tier level. See Corporal 460.10. Indeed, the jurisdiction and purpose of the Court of Appeals mirrors that of the U.S. Supreme Court in this regard. T. He basic premise underlying our appellate court system is that the intermediate appellate tribunals, particularly the appellate divisions, will dispose with finality of the great majority of the appeals, leaving for further review by the state's tribunal of last resort, the Court of Appeals, only a relatively small number of selected cases worthy of such further review. 
The primary function of the Court of Appeals, like that of the United States Supreme Court in the federal sphere, is conceived to be that of declaring and developing an authoritative body of decisional law for the guidance of the lower courts, the bar and the public Arthur Carger, Powers of the New York Court of Appeals Section 1-1 at 3-4 3D Ed Rev 2005. While the dissent attempts to differentiate between the structure of appellate review of other states examined in Evitz and Ross see dissenting op at 10-13, it eschews the defining features of the review process essential to the finding of no constitutional due process entitlement to the discretionary appeal and the representation of counsel thereon. This court is a second-tier reviewer of questions of law on established factual records of the trial court and does not sit to correct errors in individual cases, but to decide matters of larger public import Halbert, 545 U.S. at 618. As in the federal courts, a criminal defendant's absolute right and basic entitlement to appellate consideration of a direct first-tier appeal does not translate to a similar constitutional entitlement to a discretionary, second-tier appeal in this state see Ross 417 U.S. at 610, People v. Ventura, 17 NY 3D 675, 679–682 the CLA process is predicated on the presentation of issues argued and briefed in the trial court and the intermediate appellate court. The first tier appellate record and briefs are readily available to both this court and a pro se defendant for a CLA. Consequently, representation by counsel in the CLA process is not mandated by due process for a meaningful review of the CLA. IV. Against this backdrop, we reject defendants' attempt to abrogate the statutory time limit of Corporal 460.30 for second-tier appeals. It is the legislature that sets this court's jurisdiction, including the time limitations for seeking leave to appeal see Matter of Santangelo v. People, 38 NY 2D 536, 539 Any arguments for a change in appellate practice, however persuasive, must be addressed to the legislature quotation marks and citation omitted. In this regard, coram nobis relief is not just another stop on a continuum of opportunities for a defendant to seek appellate relief Rosario, 26NY3D at 602-603 and is not a substitute for the legislative remedy provided in Corporal 460.30 for an untimely CLA. We may not resort to interpretive contrivances to broaden the scope and application of unambiguous statutes to create a right to appeal out of thin air in order to fill the void, without trespassing on the legislature's domain and undermining the structure of Article 450 of the Corporal Matter of 381 search warrants directed to Facebook, Inc. New York, County Dist. Attorneys Off, 29 NY 3D 231, 251 252, 2017, quotation marks and citations omitted, see People v. Stevens, 91 NY 2D 270, 279, 1998, People v. Lying, 79 NY 2D 166, 170 171, 172, 1992. Contrary to defendant's argument, there are no state constitutional grounds to ignore the legislatively imposed time limitation, applicable to all defendants represented or not, rich or poor, to the remedy provided for improper attorney conduct in failing to file a timely CLA. Indeed, defendant is unable to cite any authority for his assertion that the state constitution requires a right to representation by counsel to file a CLA for permission to take a second-tier appeal. 
Defendant invokes the term due process while simply ignoring that our precedent hews closely to the path of the 14th Amendment as justification for due process guarantees, as well as equal protection measures, for meaningful appellate review. C.E.G. Seivel, 15 NY3D at 397-398, Batchert, 69 NY2D at 596, Montgomery, 24 NY2D at 132, Pride, 3 NY2D at 550 FN6. And his citation to case law involving the ineffective assistance of trial counsel, in asterisk 6, which there is no dispute that the constitutional right to counsel has attached under Article 1, Section 6 in the trial court, the Sixth Amendment, or both, fails to support his claim. See People v. Baldi, 54 NY2D 137, 147, 1981, People v. Caban, 5 NY3D 143, 156, 2005. The dissent, in comparison, mistakenly equates the attachment of our state's constitutional right to counsel, which is unique in that it prohibits the defendant's waiver of counsel in the absence of counsel even before an accusatory instrument is filed. See People v. Settles, 46 NY2D 154, 162 163, 1978, Bing, 76 NY2D at 339. The constitutional right to counsel is applicable in two well-defined situations, 1 waivers after formal proceedings have commenced and 2 police may not question uncharged individuals in custody who have retained or requested an attorney in the absence of counsel, with the entirely separate claim that the right to representation on the first-tier appeal extends to a CLA seeking permission for a second-tier appeal see dissenting op at 15-16 and as a right presumably constitutional in nature at that juncture. The dissent's hodgepodge references to case law on this state's right to counsel reveals a failure to examine the specific context explaining why and when the constitutional right to counsel attaches during interrogation and upon commencement of the criminal action. See People v. Claudio, 83 NY2D 76, 1993. We created the indelible right, a right that defendant could not waive in the absence of counsel, to justify suppression of the voluntary statement made by a defendant represented on the charge on which he was held in custody. The rule is that defendant could not be interrogated in the absence of counsel on any matter, whether related or unrelated to the subject of the representation. See Bing, 76 NY2D at 350. Our case law recognizing the importance of the constitutional right to counsel as a buffer between the defendant and the coercive actions of the state at the pre-conviction stage, particularly as a necessary protection against self-incrimination, is addressed to concerns that are not implicated in a second-tier appeal. Similarly, our case law interpreting the right to counsel at a post-judgment proceeding depends on whether it is a critical stage of the prosecution, where counsel's absence might prejudice due process rights. The determinative factor is whether, in an adversarial fact-finding hearing, the liberty of defendant rested on the arbiter's de novo factual determinations. Garcia, 92 NY2D at 730-731, citing people X Rel. Donahoe v. Montaigne, 35 NY2D 221, 226 1974, 7, People X Rel. Menachino v. Warden, Greenhaven State Prison, 27 NY2D 376, 381-382 1971.
In sharp contrast, on a second-tier appeal, the facts for the appeal are confined to the trial court record, the legal issues have been fully briefed, and the appeal is not an accusatory proceeding affording defendant an opportunity to explain charges against him or requiring the court to make de novo factual or legal determinations affecting his liberty. Garcia, 92 NY2D at 731, People v. Colwell, 65 NY2D 883, 885-1985, Rejecting the requested extension of the Rogers Rule 48 NY2D 167 to situations in which the defendant already stands convicted and is represented only on an appeal from the conviction. As in Andrews and Arjun, neither defendant nor the dissent can cite any legal support for the imposition of a state constitutional right to representation on a CLA for a second-tier appellate review Arjun, 30 NY3D at 354, see Andrews, 23 NY3D at 616. We note that the lack of citations for support or authority is particularly striking in light of the magnitude of judicially declaring a constitutional right to counsel on every CLA filed or not, whether years ago or years from now. In order to enhance the appellate review for both the court and the defendant, this court may assign counsel once a leave application is granted and the appellate division rules require counsel in the first-tier appeal to assist in filing a CLA First Department 22 2D Department 22 R 821.2 B 3D Department 22 NYCRR 1015.7 4th Department but those court rules do not create a constitutional entitlement to counsel during the CLA process, or a claim of a constitutional deprivation of due process when counsel's performance is deficient at that stage of appellate review. See Arjun, 30 NY3D at 356 N7, citing Roe, 528 US at 479. As we have made clear, and as the dissent fails to comprehend, see dissenting op at 5-6, rules of professional conduct cannot be applied as if they were controlling statutory authority or decisional law and not every violation of an ethical rule will constitute ineffective assistance of counsel. People v. Barora, 99 NY2D134, 140-2002, quoting SS Hotel Ventures Limited. Partnership v. 777SH. Corp. 69 NY2D 437, 443 C. Claudio, 83 NY2D at 83 Counsel's deficient performance during interrogation at the preaccusatory stage does not implicate the state's guarantee of effective assistance of counsel to a suspect. Needless to say, although one may desire to have an attorney in any particular proceeding on innumerable matters, a desired circumstance alone does not create a constitutional right to the assistance of counsel. See People v. Letterio, 16 NY 2D 307, 312, 1965. In this case, assuming defendant's counsel's failure to file a CLA violated his ethical obligations under the relevant practice rules of the appellate division, that misconduct does not automatically transform the representation in the CLA process into one derived from the Constitution and a corresponding ineffective assistance of counsel claim. See Chalk v. Kuhlman, 311 F3D 525, 528-529, 2D Circle 2002. 
Try as the dissent might, CASES on appeal barriers, cannot be resolved by resort to easy slogans or pigeonhole analysis see Halbert, 545 U.S. at 610, quoting MLB VSLJ, 519 U.S. 102, 120 1996. We turn now to defendant's concern that his inability to exhaust all available avenues for state appellate review may have negative consequences on his ability to seek federal habeas relief. Federal habeas courts are guided by rules designed to ensure that state court judgments are accorded the finality and respect necessary to preserve the integrity of legal proceedings within our system of federalism. Martinez v. Ryan, 566 U.S. 1, 9, 2012. Moreover, a federal court may invoke a miscarriage of justice exception to the general rule of procedural default to see that federal constitutional errors do not result in the incarceration of innocent persons McQuiggan v. Perkins, 569 U.S. 383, 392 2013, quotation marks and citation omitted. In any event, federal court rules governing whether a petitioner exhausted state remedies or failed to adhere to state procedures are not an invitation for this court to abandon our own independent state procedural law of reasonable time limitations, which is jurisdictional in nature. Nor is it a reason to artificially manufacture layers of constitutional rights that otherwise have no textual origin. Given our history paralleling our jurisprudence with that of the federal courts in affording defendants meaningful review on appeals, and without any reason to deviate from that tradition today, we hold that there is no state constitutional right to legal representation on an application for leave to appeal to this court. Accordingly, the order of the appellate division should be affirmed. Order affirmed. Opinion by Chief Judge DeFiori. Judges Stein, Fahey, Garcia and Feynman concur. Judge Wilson dissents in an opinion, in which Judge Rivera concurs. Decided October 23, 2018. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law.